if we're constantly communicating, we're playing the game in a progressive way. If we're playing the game in a progressive way, we're not going to worry about what happened bad five minutes ago. We're going to worry about what's in front of us. We're not going to say, dude, I already hit two home runs today. My day is over. This is good enough for me. We're going to keep competing. Hey, guys, and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. I'm Jonathan Gellner. Today, we're talking with James Valade, assistant coach at Oklahoma State University. We discuss what they look for in potential recruits, what he has learned along his journey from D3 head coach to pro ball to Division I, and for the dads out there, we also discuss the coach-dad relationship between he and his son Ryan, who was a second-round pick this last summer. Coach Valade also talks with us about an organization he founded known as Keeper of the Game, which provides kids and young adults with special needs the opportunity to experience baseball. Let's get this episode started with Coach James Valade. Coach Valade, thank you for joining us on Ahead of the Curve. Hey, thanks for having me on. For the listeners out there who may want to know how you got into coaching, can you tell us, uh, just give us a little bit of background and how you got your start into coaching and why? No, I had played college baseball at, uh, at Baylor University, um, graduated in 1995, and the opportunity to play professional baseball wasn't there when I, when I finished at Baylor and was looking for opportunities to get into coaching. I had done some coaching uh, over the summers at, at camps and different clinics while I was out playing college summer baseball, uh, and just, just really had an interest in, in coaching, bringing guys along in the game. I, I knew what the game had provided for me. I knew how special it was for me. Uh, as a player, I had played for a lot of great coaches. And so I got into coaching at a young age and uh, at, a, at a very young age was named the head baseball coach at the University of Dallas in Irving, Texas. And that's where I got my start. Where are you at currently and, and what led you to that road? Well, currently I'm the assistant baseball coach at Oklahoma State University. Uh, I, I came here by way of Double uh, A with the Texas Rangers. And you know, I was in I was in Double A. I was in my sixth season uh, with the Rough Riders. Love the Rangers organization. The Rough Riders do an outstanding job. The people that that run the show over there are as good as they come. And you know, the Oklahoma State opportunity came up. My wife and I decided that uh, collectively as a family we would we'd take a look at it. And um, I had worked with the pitching coach Rob Walton previously uh, for one year when I was at Oral Roberts University as the hitting coach. And uh, talked with Josh Holiday, and he said, hey, we need somebody that can come in here and, and help run the defense and coach third and do some recruiting. And uh, it seemed like a good fit. And, you know, in 2015, I left professional baseball. And in 2016, we were in Omaha. Uh, so that was it was a good uh, it was a good transition. And that's great. And you guys have a fantastic staff, by the way. It, it's a good it's a good collection of guys. Um, and and e- even for us, the, the people that work uh, with us behind the scenes that aren't necessarily um in in the daily mix as, as far as the media and, and everything else that, that's out there we we really josh has done a great job putting together a solid staff and um you know our, our kids are really really well taken care of well i love it uh, so talk to us what does it mean to be a oklahoma state cowboy and what do you guys look for as as far as potential players and recruits well for us what it means to be an oklahoma state cowboy is is being a part of one of the best college baseball programs in, in the history of college baseball. Uh, we ranked among the top five that have ever put on uniforms in the NCAA. And with the history and the tradition that we've got, uh, we try to push that forward every day. Uh, we try to get the right mix of kids that can come in here and do well in the classroom, uh, ultimately graduate from the university with an outstanding degree, 
and compete at a high level on the baseball field every single day and um, really represent the model that, that, that Josh Holiday has, has carved out for us. I mean, I don't think, you know, it, it's, it's, it's his job to come in and carry the tradition, uh, but it's also his job to come in and be, be progressive and keep this team competitive every single year. And um, through, you know, through the ups and downs uh, of, of the program, the program has been mostly consistent. And uh, the last couple of years have been have been pretty special. It really has. No, I love it. And uh, can you give us your best recruiting pitch? Well, for us, you would you had asked uh, previously and getting to the point of you know what it takes to play here. Uh, I, I think obviously somebody who um, can dominate their level. We're looking for the high school guys that are that are having success, but also uh, project out at the collegiate level. Guys that are tough, guys that are gritty, uh, guys that want to get in and, and get after it every day. And you know, our best recruiting pitch is this: is for us, I think we hang our hat on player development. I, there's, there's not a team in the Big Twelve that's had more draft picks than us over the last five years. So, um, I think the kids that have the ultimate goal of being trained to go play professional baseball, uh, you know, our staff is is designed, you know, pretty well to uh, to move to move guys on. Fortunately, we have the resources to do it, and. You know, the baseball takes care of itself, but the information is priceless. I think that's what any any young recruit is looking for. You're looking for a guy uh, with a track record in coaching. You're looking for a guy who's, who's moved people along that are like you. And from a standpoint of, of having a great experience at Oklahoma State, you know, competing for championships every year, all that stuff comes with it. And so you are in a an inter- interesting position as a as a college coach and also as the dad of a college signee at the same college so did you recruit your own son or how did how did that happen no you know what ryan was actually uh ryan committed to oklahoma state university uh when he concluded his first uh tour with the u.s national team he had finished playing on team usa as a 15 year old was making his way back to frisco high to work with uh coach cox and coach cook at the time and and start his sophomore year and oklahoma state had reached out and i know coach coach walton has watched ryan grow up so there was a little bit of a natural connection to it. And in all honesty, when you, when you peel back the layers, my wife's side of the family, every single person in her family, uh, they all went to Oklahoma State. So it's pretty ironic that Ryan's grandparents went to Oklahoma State, aunts and uncles, cousins. Um, at the time he was being you know, recruited, you know, we had family members that were attending Oklahoma State. So it's always been a part of our family uh, for him to make the decision I left it completely up to him. Uh, he got recruited by a lot of great universities and you know, a lot of good programs. But um, he ultimately made the decision that if college baseball was going to be his landing spot, it was going to be in Stillwater. And you know, a couple years later, I, I got involved when they when they had a coaching need that that fit you know what I bring to the table as a coach. So let's uh, let's get into the player development segment. And as you know, the uh, the podcast is player development based. We're all about trying to to help our players get better. And, and if we're getting better, then obviously our players are going to get better as well. So let's talk in the fall, or let's start in the fall. And what does a typical week look like for you guys? When do you start and, and what do you guys really focus on? You know, fall, fall baseball is is a key development time for us as far as skill, uh, as far as getting players on the same page, and then really trying to trying to activate what, what a guy brings to the table. I, I think fall is a, is a time where we want to identify what guys do well. We want to identify what guys need to work on, but also give the new players time to, to kind of come in, get comfortable, gel. And, and depending on where we are in our fall, there's times where we have very limited time with our players where we're, where we're doing uh, some shorter session stuff. And there's times where we have um, extended practice times. But 
but basically trying to get everybody on the same page, um, really teach the, the routine things uh, that are really going to matter and then, and then build off that. So what are some of the routine things that you guys uh, have to teach? We're, I'm a high school coach and obviously you're getting mostly high school players with, with some junior college guys sprinkled in. So what is something that you wish we taught better so you guys wouldn't have to? Well, I'll tell you what, the, the, fir- the first thing that comes to mind is, is, uh, is double cuts and cut priorities. <laughs> okay. um, I think in high school, I mean, to, to your defense, the fields are, are usually smaller. There's usually tighter windows of, of game space to play in. And when some of these kids get out to these huge fields, like, you know, before, um, you know, a couple of the schools actually brought fences in. I know they brought the fences in down in Austin uh, recently, but you know, you're playing in some graveyards and these high school kids, you know, they come out and they look at some of these fields and they're like, oh my gosh, this is, this is a lot of space out here. And, you know, transitioning guys into double cuts, cuts responsibility, cut responsibilities, understanding the outs, understanding the score, understanding who's on deck. I mean, just getting so in depth on, you know, game management to where, you know, you, you can't feed your shortstop and your second baseman every piece of information they need mm-hmm. uh, for a game play uh, 15 seconds before it happens. So they really have to get accustomed to managing themselves on their field, their spacing. Uh, and then obviously, you know, learning their teammates. You know, when you get to college, you know, the athleticism goes up, uh, the speed of the game goes up, the demand goes up. And so basically trying to do things like that for us um, out of the gate really pays dividends down the line because those are things that uh, they frustrate you as coaches when they don't go well, but it's it's our job to teach it. It's our job to master it. So, And so you mentioned you guys had some time limitations in the fall. Uh, what are your time limitations? And then how do you, how did you guys figure to get the most out of that, the time that you have? I, I think, you know, the, the time limitations based on, are based on when you, when you declare your season, like when, when, when you're going to start your starting point, there's, there's different days that the NCAA says you have to, you know, you have to be finished by and you have to conclude. And um, so the, the shorter time periods, you know, I think those are the things where you can address some, some individual stuff with guys, kind of peel back the layers uh, for some of the players, slow, slow things down for them. But when you get to those bigger windows where you're actually, you know, playing some fall inner squads or maybe playing an outside competition game, uh, that's when it's time to, to put it on the field and get it game speed. So every team does it a little bit different. You know, obviously some division team, division one teams are going to finish early in the fall because they've got to take advantage of, of weather. Other teams can, you know, go back a little bit later in the fall and maybe blend their fall into the spring where they don't have as much, you know, transition time. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's to each his own and everybody's in a little bit of a different geographic out there. But, you know, for us, Josh puts together a really good plan, a good calendar, and our guys get after it. Well, that's great. You mentioned that outside competition and things like that, we don't get much of that in the fall. We obviously want our kids to be competitive, uh, whether that's with themselves or, or with their teammates or especially against the other team. So is there any unique ways that you guys build in competition into your practices? Yeah, we, we do. I think for for us, the, the demand in practice is, is energy. I mean, you've got to come out prepared to play, you know, practice with a, with a, with a level of intensity that's going to that's gonna match game speed. You know, if, if you got there and you practice slow on the draw when the game happens, you know, you're probably going to be a little slow on the draw. But the, uh, the thing that we do, uh, we try to build in the internal competition where you're challenging yourself. If you're, if you're throwing a bullpen, you're trying to execute certain things. If you're working, 
you know, ground balls in the middle. You're, you're trying to, you're trying to get so many repetitions to this one spot. And then once you get that, you get to the next thing. Um, and then, you know, when you, when you get into competition situations, whether it's playing a two pitch game or, you know, a two strike game or whatever it may be, you, you, you've got to put something on it. You know, this is, this is, um, you know, this is the time where it's hard for guys because there's not a game on Friday. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's just, there's not, you know, you might scrimmage and, and I get it. I mean, but there's, it's not the same feel as going out there and lining it up on Friday night and turning the lights on and all that stuff. So you're trying to simulate that stuff. And I think the guys really, really embrace the fact that the daily competition is that, is that internal check for you to be able to go out there and, and task yourself with being at your best competing at the highest level and then recognizing in practice as a player, Hey, these are competitive moments that matter. And I think as far as developing through the fall, you know, sometimes players have trouble seeing the light at the end of the tunnel because they know that they're, they're going to have a month, uh, a month on their own before they come back and start practicing and then compete. But uh, we try to do the best we can to keep the adrenaline flying and, 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 you know, mix it up and keep it fresh. Sure. I love it. Now you guys get a ton of fresh faces every year from different parts of the country that are really leaving uh, their homes for the first time. So I'm sure that you guys have to develop some sort of team or leadership building. So can you give us some different ways that you guys do that? Yeah, we, we do. We have, we have team building sessions. Um, we have team building sessions that are built within our practice times. You know, sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll have a practice limitation, but we'll dedicate 25 minutes, you know, with our team collectively going over some exercises, you know, kind of some, 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 some self-talk, some team talk, you know, some group talk, whether it be, you know, uh, position player specific outfielders, infielders, catchers, pitchers, whatever it may be. And then what we try to do is we try to um, we try to take our guys every year on a on a retreat and have them spend some time together outside of the field to get to know each other, get to understand who they are, where they're from, things of that nature. So it, it's it's an I know it's an important thing to our program to really try to connect everybody on every level. And it's really interesting when you look at the guys the first you know the first week, and then you look at them the second week, and then the third week, and then. When you, when you see in the fall the different experiences they're having together, whether it's, you know, we went to the retreat or we started fall practice or we're in the weight room together, you can slowly see that, that starting to gel. And that's always a fun thing. And, and Josh, you know, Coach Holiday makes it really, really clear on what our goals are. Um, we don't, we don't really have any discrepancy between what's expected of you as a, as a player, what it's, what's expected of you as a teammate, what's expected of you as a citizen, a student. So that's one of the things that, um, you know, people enjoy about our program is we, we've got a lot of good kids here and they, they get along. They really do. I've recently tried to, everything that I do at practice, I'm trying to put, like you mentioned earlier, some sort of something on the line as far as competition goes. But I'm also trying to just quantify what they're doing so I could say, okay, so player X, you are right here and player Y who's playing in front of you is is at this as at this clip whether it's in bullpens and velocity or strike percentage or or in the weight room whatever it is I'm I'm trying to come up with a way to quantify or measure just as much as I can. So what are some of your favorite things to measure or or some of your favorite things to gauge? Uh my, the first thing is heart. You know mm. what kind of competitor are you? I, I you know no matter what you know, spreadsheet you get or, 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 or metric or saber or, you know, any of the, any of the numbers that are put out there, the number one thing is, is, is who is out there competing every single day. And I think that's, that's the, that's the number one thing, you know, that everybody has to remember 
when you're when you're navigating this game in in a in a time where everything is measured, everything is gauged, everything is is put on paper and it's black and white. Look at this percentage, that percentage. But at the at the end of the day, the the ability to compete, the ability to impact the game. I, I look back to our shortstop when we went to Omaha, Donovan Walton. When you look at Donnie, Donnie was always a producer, and he was a guy that played with a high skill level. But there were there were always people kind of put a little bit ahead of Donnie on this on this pedestal, and you know I, I always would sit back and, and I I defend this kid because I sit back every single day and I'm with him and I watch and I'm like if you if you could spend an hour with this guy and understand what makes him tick, mm-hmm. um, it, it's beautiful. I mean it's beautiful. I mean it, it's it's a baseball player. It's a gamer. It's a guy that's been on championship teams his whole life. But as as far as as far as the measurables measurables go. And I think for me, you know, Josh does all the hitting here. Um, so I, I focus mostly on the defense, but on the hitting side, you know, consistent hard contact. You know, how tough of an out are you? If if you're a guy that maybe strikes out a little too much, can we can we get some production back in another area? Are we getting some extra base hits? Are we drawing tons of walks? Are we, you know, how are we contributing? You know, and then, you know, de- defensively, you know, basically a guy that can that can take things away. Be in the be in the right spots uh, to take away hits. Uh, have the right footwork to to maybe maybe prevent uh, n- not being able to turn the double play and actually going in and saying this guy's footwork's so good he's going to turn every double play that we ask him to. You know, a, a couple of things off the top of my head are uh, are things that I measure. But one big thing for me is is leadership and communication. You know, guys that can come out there and take control of the field, and uh, you know those guys just pour confidence into other players. You know, guys that aren't communicating, I can tell you this. You know, if if the guy on the left and the guy on the right aren't communicating, the guy in the center might be, uh, you know, might might be might be talking himself into a, into a tough situation. He might not have the mental freedom or or the moxie or the makeup to to transition himself actually back into the game to contribute. So if we're constantly communicating, we're playing the game in a progressive way. If we're playing the game in a progressive way, we're not going to worry about what happened bad five minutes ago. We're going to worry about what's in front of us. We're, we're not going to say, "Dude, I already hit two home runs today. My day is over. This is good enough for me." We're going to keep competing. Oh, that makes sense, and I and I love that uh, that you mentioned Hart and and Donnie Walton especially. I know uh, he was what like five nine maybe five nine. He play he plays six three. Sure, the dudes, <laughs> the dudes got some field presence like I've never seen in my life. Well, and and you you talked about all the different things he brought to the table. I don't know him personally. I, I've watched him play, and I know he started what three years as as a true freshman, and then until he got drafted at Oklahoma State. Do you think that was a big reason because of it? I, I think you know Donnie ended up coming back for his for his senior year. Oh, okay. um, he 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 passed on the draft as a junior. He had a he had a decision to make. I think he felt um, probably like I did. I, I think his I think he felt maybe a little undervalued. You, you, we'd have to talk to Donnie about that. But he's a fierce competitor. I know one of his goals was to help this program uh, get back to Omaha, and that's what he wanted to do. But yeah, I mean, it, at his size. You know his actions, his agility. Um, you know his his hand strength. You know hitting, his accuracy throwing, his ability to get rid of the ball. There were so many things that you know that that he brought to the table. That you know metrics wise, you know what he's going to steal bases, but he's not going to lead the league in stolen bases. But I'll tell you what, he'll get you one when you need it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's one of those things where you know he's not going to have you know the top velocity across the infield but he's going to get rid of it the quickest and the velocity is going to be good. So I can't think of one thing he doesn't do well. He does everything 
really well. And then there's things that that he he does exceptionally well. And the gamer side of it is, you know, you look at you know guys like Altuve and guys like Pedroia. That's him. I mean that that's a, that's an impact guy. So um, absolute honor to coach that kid, you know, for his senior year of college. I mean, just absolute blast. Loved being on the field with him every day. No, that's great. And, you know, we talk about player development. That's that's another side of it. You know, grit or heart or especially guys who don't have your prototypical size. You can be good at everything when you may not be great at one thing and and still go to a, a very high level like those guys that you mentioned did. No, I, and I, I agree with you. And I, I think it's basically... You know, the, the factor of, of him taking pride in being a balanced player, you know, him taking pride in his base running, him being able to get a bunt down, him being able to, you know, drive, drive a ball in the gap, hit some balls out of the yard. Very, very balanced, mature approach to, you know, to playing the game. And, and I've, I've been around a lot of really good players in, in my days. I've, I've been around, you know, guys that are, you know, some of the best players that have ever played the game. And, you know, for me, for me to watch a guy like Donnie Walton, every, every high school kid should pull up video of Donnie Walton and watch this guy play because I think it's, it's what everybody's looking for. I love it. And is the reason why you love guys like that is because you never have to worry about them and you can actually like coach the fun part of it? You know, for me, it, it's this, you know, in baseball, when bad things happen, a guy throws a bad pitch, sometimes you just need to throw another pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need to, to panic. Or sometimes when a guy takes a bad swing, you, sometimes you need to take another swing. And and I think with me, you know, I always have as much confidence in the player as they have in themselves. So if they're not showing the confidence, I've got to I've got to help them get back to it. And if they're if they got too much confidence and the ship's starting to loosen up, then we got to tighten it up too. So you're you're always you're always pulling a couple little strings here and there. But uh, never hitting the panic button. Well, that makes sense. Does that come down to developing a relationship with them? You know, I, I had, um, you know, I, I had some really, really good advice when I went into professional baseball. You know, basically, it was said, you know, if if the players don't trust you, they're not going to care what you're saying. You know, if if they don't trust you, they're, it, you could have the best information in the world, but if you don't have the trust, you're you're done. So yeah, I think. Building the relationship with the kids, um, making sure that they they see your work ethic on the field and they see your preparation and your trust, and you know they're they're going to be they're going to be a little bit of a you know a little bit of you know a, a product of of how we are as coaches because we're around them every day. So I always I always tell guys being an infield coach, you've got to incorporate your daily disciplines every single day when you come out here, and every everything matters. I mean everything matters. There's not going to be one repetition that we're willing to give away. So, you know, so for me, we try, we try to really simplify things, but trust for the most part is, is really what's going to make anything work. That's great. So switching gears a little bit, is there anything that you unique that uh, Oklahoma state does that is just unique to you guys and just a cowboy thing, or that you may not have seen it at any of the other stops that you've been to? No, I I think, I I think the, the one thing that's pretty evident at Oklahoma State is is um, is the, the passion that our leadership team has uh, for the program. Pretty unique situation where you, you have a head coach that was an academic All American here, an All American here, a draft pick out of here, and coming back home to to really take care of the program that he was he was raised around. So 
I, I don't I don't see many guys that put more time in uh, than Josh Holiday does. And as far as Rob Walton, kind of same scenario. Like you know, he pitched here for four years, pitched in the College World Series four times. You know, he's you know Rob Walton's going in the Hall of Fame uh, in January at Oklahoma State, and he's going to join you know Coach Holiday. So I think what makes it pretty different or unique here is um, is the stake in the game. I, I think that uh, we really have a, a group here that that has a passion for for where we all are and and what we do every day. Well, and it's interesting that all three of you have been head coaches. I was a head coach in Division Three for uh, for eleven years and and had you know, had some incredible teams. You know, I actually the, the team we had at Tyler had the best individual season record in the history of the NCAA in the in the state of Texas. I mean, some of the some of the seasons we had were unbelievable. And you know, Coach Walton's run uh, at Oral Roberts as a head coach has been great. And you know, Josh doing what he's done in a five year period here is. It, it is unique to have three guys with head coaching experience. And then, you know, the, the time that, that I had with the Texas Rangers, you know, can't thank John Daniels and Mike Daly enough. Uh, guys that, you know, saw enough in me uh, to put me on the field with with uh, precious cargo at that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of, uh, you know, I, I looked up last year and every every infielder in the Rangers infield uh, were guys that I had. And that was kind of a kind of a proud moment. So. But yeah, unique experience for us to to have that much head coaching experience and no agendas. We're just we're just we just work. Well, that's awesome. So let's skip forward to the spring. Does anything change? What does a typical week look like for you guys? And uh, really, what's your focus there as far as just winning ball games? The the big thing is 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 getting everything game ready. So I think the the, the teaching gets a little more accelerated just because there's things that you have to try to cover and you have to try to get done before you play. I mean, your, your fly ball communication, your bunt defense, your cuts and relays, you know, everything, backing up bases, pickoffs. I mean, you have to put in a whole list of things at game speed several times before you play. So that's one thing that, um, you know, that, that happens where you kind of feel the gas pedal going down a little bit when you hit the spring. And then you, you've got to play innings. I mean, you, you hope that you can play enough scrimmages to get, you know, your frontline hitters, you know, 50 at bats before opening day. And maybe the guys that may be in reserve roles, uh, 25, 30 at bats. And you just hope that you don't have a, uh, you don't have any snow, snow on the way. We're praying for good weather. Oh, absolutely. Especially this part of, uh, this part of Texas and, uh, especially up there in Stillwater, it could be 90 degrees and then it could snow the next day. So yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah. The year, the year in 2016 when we went to Omaha, I don't think we had one indoor practice. It was, it was great. It was like you kept, you kept waiting for that week where it was just going to be a disaster and we just skated right through. Let's hop into the advice section, and I'm, I'm really excited to get to hear your advice on a couple of these things, but you, you seem like you're a lifelong learner, and you're constantly trying to uh, better yourself, so what's something that you've learned lately that you're really excited about? You know, well, getting on the podcast, I learned how to operate Skype, which is pretty cool. <laughs> there you go. I, I thought, I thought that, was, that was awesome. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm, I'm on the defensive side of the ball 90% of the time you know, right now. And I think the the one thing is just being able to always streamline new ways to communicate things uh, to your players. You, you know, I, you know, we're in this society right now where 
you know, kids are on their phone, but when they're on their phone, they're only looking at something for eight seconds. So I think the one thing I've learned uh, this year is that if I can send a powerful message in a short clip, that it's going to have more meaning in the way that our players are going to learn rather than me sitting them down and, and trying to, you know, you know, trying to really maneuver something or talk through it long. I, I've got to, I've got to sharpen up my game to connect with how athletes think today because the attention spans are going down. It's, you know, kids are looking to move. They're, they're always on the hop. They're, you know, they're engaged in their phones and it's reality. You can, you know, kids can deny it all you want, but you're, you're talking to a guy with three kids and they've got phones. Mm -hmm. So, and 35 players on our team and they've got phones. So for me, I think just always trying to find a way to connect to how uh, our kids are learning. I think, um, you know, I, I've improved with that uh, as a coach um, and can want to continue to find ways to, to teach and, and connect with our players. For you being somebody in the minor leagues and a Division One coach, that's that's really refreshing to hear because it sounds like, you know, no no offense to a lot of coaches out there, but we're we're either one side or the other, and you're sure. either you know the kids these days talk or you're hey just just leave them alone talk. But it really is refreshing to hear that you may not have been like that before, but you're seeing a trend and you're helping yourself and your players out by not giving into the trend but helping them along with the process. Sure. And that's, that's what we want to do is we, we want to be very progressive uh, in the way that we think and the way that we can connect, because it's just, it's, it's the evolution of who, of who we are and how we learn. And so it's, it, it's, it's a, it's a challenge to just pay attention to how guys are reacting to the information because you, you sit back and after coaching 20 years and, you know, being, being on the field with some of the greatest guys in the game, and you and you, you you talk about not having that same you know allotment of time or that same concentration level uh, at times. It's it's just changing a little bit, but you just you just hope that when these guys go out, if the inning goes more than eleven minutes, you hope they can hang it in there and stay focused. <laughs> so I got you, perfect. Well, <sighs> let me flip the question around on you. So, or something that you've learned. Well, what's something that you once thought was true, but you may have recently changed your mind about? It's a great question. I've I've thought through that one. Um, I've I've always been a guy when I was uh, when I was a hitting coach. There were there were always you're always going through the philosophies and you know the the Ted Williams and and then the Rudy Harmelios and the, you know, all the people that have you know hitting books and hitting videos and all this stuff that's out there. And you know I, I think for the for the for the most part the the basic parts of the game really aren't going to change. I think there's, there's, there's different ways to, to kind of skin the cat. There's different arm slots to throw from. There's different stances to hit out of. But at the same time, common threads have to appear. You know, if you want to be a great hitter, I mean, you've got to see the ball well. You've got to be physically ready to hit. You've got to swing at strikes. If you're not doing those things, then do your mechanics matter? I mean, you know, that, that's a good question. I mean, so for, for me, I think um, keeping the basics, the basics, and then just really trying to bust your butt every day as a coach to work into the player to get that, what I call that click moment, that when you can provide the information, you can provide the drill, you can bring that up to game speed, then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, he's got it. This this is beautiful. You know, I, I'm, I'm in search of those moments. Oh, that's great. I added this in after we were talking earlier, and you have a son that, that's playing in pro ball. 
and a lot of our listeners are dads as well. So what's your best advice on raising a son who has done as well as, as yours has as far as, as in the game of baseball and outside? You know, for, for me, speaking, speaking as a dad, one, and, I, and I've, had, I've had this question a lot, um, especially over the last six months, um, about, you know, Ryan and, and him playing and me being a coach and him, you know, growing up around the game. The value of learning the game and playing the game is, is really built in the team environment. Sometimes I think baseball turns into golf a little bit where a kid goes out there and he strikes out 10 and yeah, his day was perfect and he hits two home runs and his day was perfect, but they lost, you know, by five runs. And I, I've always tried to really encourage my son to go impact the game, impact the team and play winning baseball. And I think in evaluating situations for young players coming up, being a part of a team is critical because no matter where this game takes you, that team's always going to be the most important thing. So I valued putting him in, in great team situations. I tried to surround him with people that were really good examples of um, a work ethic, what it took to play the game. If you, if you really loved it and had passion for it, I tried to, have him, you know, he was a coach's kid, so he was around the professional field and the college field growing up. So he was privy to some pretty cool things that maybe other kids can't. But, you know, taking, you know, taking your kids to minor league baseball games or taking your sixth grader to high school baseball games, you know, show your kids what the next level is. Show them, show them what the next level is about, because if they don't see it and they can't, you know, they kind of feel like they're, they're there, you know, evaluating it themselves, then they really don't know what it looks like. So you have to prepare your kids for reality. The team aspect is is everything in developing a player. Talk with us about how your talks after games were. I I, we, I mentioned earlier my dad played uh, in in the major leagues for a little while, and and I I can remember growing up, and he never never really pushed baseball on me. I, I know that that was a big part of our lives growing up, but even after games, he would never talk to me until I wanted to. Is that something similar to what you've done, or, or what's your stance on that? I always let Ryan kind of drive the train on what his interest was as um, as a young kid. I mean, he he loved playing soccer. I mean, there were a lot of people that thought, you know, he was going to be a big time soccer player. Um, he just he loved the competition of playing soccer and played for a long time. He had interest in it. I had interest in it from a standpoint of just supporting him. But uh, but baseball was something that he he really gravitated to. And I think for, for him, he put the time in and he put the effort in and he really showed the interest to uh, to do something that made him better every day. Uh, and that's what I, I appreciate the most because that's kind of what you have to preach. I mean, you, you really can't take days off. Even if you're not physically playing the game or swinging a bat or throwing a bullpen, studying the game, taking care of your body, eating right, you know, the nutrition side of it, the, 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 the little things that add up to big results, taking care of your body. Um, it's a lifestyle. And so for him, when I, when I saw, you know, the seriousness that he was kind of going about his business and watching him on his own at a very young age do the extra stuff that um, I'd be out coaching. He, you know, he's 11 years old and I'd be out coaching. And I'd be at a game and we get home late and he'd leave me a note, you know, Hey dad, I, you know, threw the tennis ball off the, off the, uh, off the garage door 200 times and took ground balls and I hit off the tee and I'm like, okay, that's great. You know, I mean, 
that's that's stuff that has value. So um, as parents, I think the kids have to express the interest. The kids have to have that drive. And I think as a parent, it's important for them to, to share with their athlete, you know, where sports can take you. A lot of great things can happen through participating in sports, whether it be going and getting a scholarship or maybe having interest in the injury or in the, uh, in the industry, or, you know, maybe playing in the big leagues one day, who knows? Awesome. Well, this is probably my most asked question, or at least the question I ask to anybody that I come in contact with. What are your favorite resources or books that have uh, shaped your coaching career? You know what? I've got to be really, really honest with you. My favorite resources are the people that I've worked with. I mean, in, in all honesty, it's, it's funny because I have this, I have this, this huge electronic file of things that, that I've liked over the years, things that I've, things that I've done, articles that I've written, um, stuff that I've, I've done in practice, charts. And, you know, anytime I have a player that, that goes off and becomes a head coach, I always connect with them and I offer up this information. Hey, can I, can I share with you some of the stuff that we did when you're, when you were playing for me, you know, just on paper, maybe some of it you remember, maybe some of it you don't. But, you know, for me, the greatest resources that I have are, are the people that I've, that I've coached with and that I've, I've worked with, you know, the assistant coaches that I've had on staffs. Um, so many of those guys have taught me uh, so much about, you know, other parts of the game, the managers that I got to work for in professional baseball. You know, I just got word, you know, today that two, two of the, two of the coordinators that I worked with when I was with the Rangers are on major league staffs now awesome. um, with, with the Mariners and the Dodgers respectively. And, you know, so it, it's, it's exciting. And, and you think back to, to the time you've had with those guys and, you know, my locker and pro ball was next to the roving instructor for, for the Rangers, whoever was coming in to help with certain things and maybe teaching a certain position, certain position play, or uh, maybe a pitching guy coming in to help with a couple pitchers. But I mean, I got to locker next to Pudge Rodriguez, Michael Young, Greg Maddox, Tony Fernandez. I mean, so for me personally, that's, you know, that's the, that's the number one resource. And w- I wish I could share that with everybody. Those were, those were great experiences. So basically other coaches is what you're saying and, and ask the right questions. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and I think what what's, what's wild too is, is, you know, when you're, when you're on the field and you're working with Tony Fernandez and he's one of the greatest shortstops that's ever played and you're talking about position play and, and, and I, you know, I moved my way through baseball as a as a corner infielder, and he obviously moved his way through baseball as the best one of the best shortstops that's ever played. But you know, you're sitting there and you're learning from him, and he's bouncing ideas off of you, and he's like, you know, hey, on as a first baseman, when you set up on this double play ball, you know, what are you what are you telling you know your first baseman? You know, what what do you want him to see? What do you want him to do? How is he reading this? When is he cheating with his footwork? When he when is he playing it straight up? So, you know, for us. Um, I don't think I contributed as much to Tony as he did to me, but um, again, you know those resources. Yeah, hundred percent. The guys that um, you know I got in the trenches with every day: Steve Bouchelle, you know, big league coach with the Rangers; mm-hmm. Scott Kulbaugh, uh, major league hitting coach for the for the Baltimore Orioles. I mean, those are guys that are they're in my club, and I'm I'm lucky. I'm fortunate. Oh, that's fantastic! And and coach, thank you again for coming on the show and. And braving pneumonia to be on. I know you mentioned this. You were you thought you had the flu earlier, and then the, and then your doctor mentioned that uh, that you might have pneumonia. So thank you again for going through that to to give us all of this information. And so, 
Where can our listeners find you online in case they want to get in touch and ask you any questions? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can be found um, easily on Twitter. That's the best way to find me. Mm -hmm. Uh, My Twitter handle is uh, Jimmy V, J-I-M-M-Y, the letter V as in Victor, and then 29, at Jimmy V 29, and they can connect and send send any question or message or anything they wanted to. So been uh been fortunate to get to, to spend some good time with you. I oh, love it. And before you go, we do have a mutual acquaintance and a a a very great uh organization that that I know you wanted to talk about. So can you talk to us about Keeper of the Game and and what they're about and what they've meant to you? Yeah, absolutely. Um Keeper of the Game is is a foundation that uh that I founded about 3 years ago and what we do is we work with Kids and young adults uh, with special needs and disabilities uh, in and around the game of baseball. What we do is we create programming and support existing programming for um, for these these youngsters with special needs and disabilities to be a part of baseball on a personal level. So we partner with a lot of great organizations like Special Olympics, Miracle League, uh, Miracle League in Frisco is is awesome. They've uh, provided a, a great start for us to connect with um, the awesome organization that they have and. We serve so many kids out there. For us, Keeper of the Game is is a, is a servant leadership extension uh, for a lot of our players uh, to be a part of. Uh, but it, it's really it's really taken on a life of its own. Uh, Brian Hochter is our, our executive director. I know he's got uh, the number one keeper of the game is is Ben Hochter, who is his uh, his son, who's at, at Reedy High School in Frisco, and he is uh, he's he's a rock star. That kid's awesome. He he's got the the biggest keeper of the game heart uh, of anybody out there, but the Hawkers are an outstanding family. Uh, Marion Harrison do an awesome job as well, uh, promoting keeper of the game, serving serving kids that that really need that really need the help and need to be served. And you know, our vice president of communications, Greg Waghorst, and his family they do an excellent job painting that picture for us on social media, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, and serving at a lot of different events. But it, this was something that for the last 20 years, I was involved in servant leadership um, projects with my teams as a head coach. And when I got to professional baseball, you know, I had a lot of players asking me, you know, when we did this community service stuff, how did you line it up? Who did you connect with? And, you know, in, in pro ball, you, you, you have a good off season. You have some time where you've got some free time to work on stuff and, kind of decompressed from the season. And I, I just decided I was going to start keeper of the game and share my concepts with uh, former players, uh, current players. And, you know, the, the coolest thing about it is the first two guys out of the gate to really support and endorse uh, keeper of the game were Elvis Andrews and Chris Davis two you know, all stars in the game of baseball two all stars in life, great players, great husbands, great dads. And, you know, I had Elvis Andrews when he was 19 years old. I coached him in double A when he was 19. And I remember talking to Elvis about, you know, what it meant to have a charity, what servant leadership was. And, you know, we, we keep in touch to the, to this day. Um, he's, you know, I'm his coach, but I, I really look up to him. He's a special cat, you know, for my son, Ryan, to grow up around him and, you know, see what, uh, a real, a real major league all-star looks like, um, is incredible. And, you know, the support Chris Davis has provided us in the community is, is awesome. So very, very fortunate to be around a lot of great people. But, hey, big shout out to the Hawker family and the Waghorse family because without those guys, 
we don't rock and roll as good as as good as we do. So we're fortunate. No, and I've been around those guys. Uh, ben is our what I call him the director of our baseball operations, so our, our our Dobo. But he's a great kid and a great organization. So any of the coaches that are out there that that are looking to really get involved, uh, we've we have helped out a a couple of times, and I know it's really made a great impact on on our kids at Reedy and. Ben is, is around us every single day, and, and we like you said, kid with a great heart and love being around him, and, and he's a great influence on them. And so where can they find out more information about this? Well, they can, they can check us out um, on our website at keeperofthegame.org. They can check us out on Twitter. It's at Baseball Keepers or on Instagram at Keeper of the Game or on Facebook uh, at Keeper of the Game. So if you can get in there and you can you can dial up keeper of the game, um, we'd love to share our mission with everybody. And this is this is a uh, an official job job offer. When when Ben graduates, um, <laughs> you know, from high school, we want him to go right into our GM job. Uh, we don't we don't have a general manager, but uh, I think he, he'd have to work for his dad for a couple of years. So we'll have to <laughs> we might have to negotiate that deal. So I love but, it. Uh, he'd be awesome. Yeah, and we we we've got. So many people out there that support us. Uh, they love us. They keep us going. Um, it's it's humbling, and you know, it, it's just it was a it's a it's a great bridge in the, in the game of baseball. And um, you know, the the power behind Keeper of the Game right now is is second to none. So it's been uh, it's been a great great year for us, and we're we're looking forward to an awesome 2018. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. I would love to get in contact with you to hear your thoughts on the podcast. There are two easy ways to do that. You can email me at jgelner7 at gmail.com or find me on Twitter at AOTC underscore podcast. Also, do you like to share ideas and have conversations with other baseball coaches? Just go to facebook.com and search Ahead of the Curve Coaches to join our group. It's free, so what have you got to lose? If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider leaving a rating so others can find the show. Thanks for listening and have a great week.